the eyes of your understanding. And we see that the Bible has a lot to say about uh, our understanding. And we see this both in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. And one of the powerful things about the way you understand something, and that's one of the things that we see consistently in the scriptures, is understanding is a personal thing. In other words, the way you understand it may not be the way the person sitting next to you understands it, right? Anybody ever gotten in an argument with somebody? (laughs) Probably nobody in this room, but maybe you know somebody who's gotten in an argument before. Well, what's that argument about? It's because different understandings are clashing, are, are, are colliding, different ways of looking at things. Are, are clashing and, 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 and colliding. And, and if we allow it, uh, the enemy will use that to bring conflict in our lives um, within ourselves and, and then between other people, even people that, that we love and, and, and hold very dearly uh, in our lives. Amen. So we really, as I, as I begin down this road, and I've got lots of notes on this, um, we're going to look at this in the, in the days to come. But what we see is that our understanding can either connect us to and enable us to experience and enjoy all the benefits of our salvation, or an incorrect understanding can can cause us to be alienated from the life of God, alienated from the life that God paid such a high price for us to have, experience, and and enjoy. And, And we see this in Ephesians, where Paul talks to some of those there in the church that were born again men and women, but they were still operating out of the futility of a, a carnal mind or an, or an earthly mind. He, he said that it was the, the same mind that people who have no covenant with God uh, are operating their lives uh, according to. And, and in, that, in those verses there, he says that the eyes of their understanding uh, were, were darkened. Amen. Their understanding was darkened. Their ability to see things as they truly are uh, was darkened. And so in the course of, of, of beginning that study, um, I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to kind of go back and get a broader view on the subject of understanding before we narrowed our focus uh, into the benefits of our salvation. And that's where we've been now for the last few weeks. And, and to be honest with you, I thought we were going to move on this morning, but I really feel like the Lord wants us to kind of camp here for a little while. Because there's some verses here that are fundamental um, to our lives. Obviously, Father God knew what he was going to do for us in the person of his son before he ever created us. You know, that's a phenomenal Christmas thought right there. Jesus, before he ever came to this earth as the Lamb of God to die for us, um, he had already agreed to do that before God created Adam. The Bible says it this way, that he was the Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world. And so Jesus had already agreed to die for us before God created us. And so obviously Father God knew exactly what was going to happen in the future and things that he revealed to us as the Old Testament, everything leading up to the death, burial, crucifixion, resurrection, ascension of Jesus, uh, our giant index fingers pointing to that day. And we find in the bedrock of the Old Testament, some very important and valuable truth that's universal. In other words, it's, it's not just, well, that's for the Old Testament people and we're in the New Testament and that doesn't apply. No, no, it's, it's universal. Amen. And so among those are 
Proverbs, the verses and the truth that we find in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. So let's go back to these uh, at least one more time uh, together this morning, and, and we're going to break some things down that I, I think are going to make it as plain uh, as, uh, as, as uh, what they say, the nose on your face or whatever. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Now, we'll come back to this, but let me weave a couple of verses from Jeremiah into this. The first one is Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. It says, Lord, I know the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. So I think it's pretty clear from that verse that we need not just a little help every now and then on directing our own paths, but we need uh, 24-7 ongoing perpetual help in directing our own paths. The way of man is not found within him. That means we got to get it from an outside source. And, of course, the outside source, capital T, capital S, that we were intended to receive uh, our marching orders, our instructions uh, from, is none other than our Creator Himself. But notice now, God created you and me in such a way as to be dependent upon Him. Do you see this? Now, we have free will. We can, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute as well. We, we can choose to do whatever we want to do. In other words, we can adopt another operating system. We can figure out another way to do things as we choose to do them, as we understand to do them, okay? Um, or we can do it God's way. Um, but we were created by God to, uh, when I say be dependent upon Him, God didn't create you that way to cripple you. He created you that way to promote you. He created you that way so that, let, let, me, let me see if we can say it this way. He created you in such a way as to your life will not work without Him. And that, that may to a lot of people sound um, you know, like a negative thing, but thank God our lives won't work without Him. Me, me and my mom, we, we had a, a long talk this week, and, and I've heard her say this before, and um, and, and she said, you know, what, where would we be today? What, 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 would, what would have happened, right, if, um, if all those questions that she had back before we knew about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, back before we knew about the goodness of God, back before we knew, she goes, what would have happened if those people could have given me an answer that satisfied me, right? But nobody could, which meant what? Mom kept looking and Dad kept looking un- until... Uh, obviously, the Holy Spirit led her into a, a greater understanding of His truth and His wisdom and His ways. So thank God that that um, when we think we've got it figured out, but we don't, we've got it all figured out, but we don't, that something inside of us keeps saying there's more. There's got to be more to this. There's got to be, you know. And you even hear people who don't believe in God say there must be a reason for me being here. Well, there is a reason for you being here, but you can't find that reason out in your own strength and ability and intelligence. There is a reason for your existence, but the way of man is not found within him. In other words, all those answers are not in you. You've got to get them from an outside source. And so you're either going to get them from God, or you're going to get them from the world, which is controlled by and influenced by 
the enemy. Amen. So, O Lord, the way of man is not found in himself. It is not in man who walks to direct his own steps. And then Jeremiah 17, we'll just read a couple of verses here. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. There's a lot that we have commented on here, and, and I'm not going to take the time to do it this morning. But I do want you to, again, pay attention to that. Uh, shall not see good when it comes. If you, if you have a wrong understanding, which is a wrong way of looking at things, then good can be standing right in front of you and you won't recognize it. And one of the examples that we've used in the past to illustrate this was when Jesus, the disciples were in a boat without Jesus, and the, the weather turned against them. Jesus is walking on the water, and they think he is a ghost. Notice, it's their understanding that uh, caused them to see him in, as something other than who he really is. Are you picking up what I'm putting down this morning? He, he didn't, they did not recognize, they did not see good, the good, capital G good, uh, when he was walking towards them. But again, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Jesus told us a parable about two men who heard these sayings of his one did what Jesus said, the other heard it, but did not do what Jesus said. And he said that when life happened to them, when, when the wind blew and the rains came and the floods rose, the man who heard and did, his house stood, his life stood the test of time, so to speak. But the man who heard and did not do, uh, what happened? It, it was like a house built on sand. It collapsed. And, and he's drawing this distinction for you and me to see the difference between hearing and doing versus hearing and not doing. Here we have another version of that. He's talking about the benefits of, of one who has learned to put their trust in God versus um, what happens to the one who, instead of trusting in God to direct his paths, has instead chosen to do his own thing or follow his own path. So let's go back then one more time to Proverbs 3 and we'll build on it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So a few things that we see and we'll review a little bit from last week. You cannot trust God and lean on your own understanding at the same time. This will never work. If you're going to go with the way you see it instead of the way God has told you it is, then it's going to prevent you from trusting in God. Now, God is trying to take you to a place in life you cannot get to on your own. The way to the place God has for you and me to live and experience is not found within us. Only God knows the way. We have to find that way from Him. And so this is why God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. So demanding God to do it here and now while you relax in your comfort zone is not waiting on God. This is what a lot of people in the body of Christ today call waiting on God. You know, I'm, I'm here, don't ask me to do stuff, and you come fix it for me, God. 
um, and, uh, and, 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 they, and we're waiting on you to do it, okay? But that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. So from where you are right now to the place God wants to take you involves a journey. Come on. It involves a journey, and any journey involves a way or a path to get from one point to another. Now, last week we talked about the ten lepers, and what we see in that particular miracle is as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. And if you're not familiar with this, it's in Luke, the 17th chapter. They cried out to Jesus for help. Jesus told them to go show themselves to the priests, which was the Old Testament instructions to follow should a leper ever think or believe that they've been made uh, well or cleansed from their leprosy. The only problem is when Jesus told them, go show yourselves to the priest, they still had leprosy. But it wasn't until they acted on the Word of God. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, but faith without works is is dead. Amen. Just making sure you're alive this morning. Amen. So faith without works is dead. So the Bible says as they went, as they went, they were cleansed. I offer to you that if they had leaned on their own understanding, they would not have been cleansed from their leprosy because what Jesus asked them to do did not make sense. He said, go show yourselves to the priests. And they said, heal me and I'll go to the priest. Right. In other words, that was what their thinking was. No, no. This is the way people think this. This is how people understand these things to work. It's like, no, Jesus, you heal me and I'll go show myself to the priest. Jesus said, no, go to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest and I will heal you. And that's, again, notice that's where Jesus gave them an opportunity to express their trust in him where he gave them an opportunity to act on faith, and we know that faith is integral to their receiving. Now, the greatest threat to God's ways producing God's result in your life is your own understanding. I asked you a lot of questions last week. I'm going to ask you some more this morning. I hope it doesn't annoy you, okay? Um, but let me, let, let's go back to it. Who's understanding Whose understanding uh, healed these ten lepers? Was it their own understanding or was it Jesus's? It, it, was, it was his understanding. When it came to Naaman, we talked about Naaman for a few weeks recently. Uh, mentioned him a couple of times in a sermon here of late, right? Whose understanding brought healing to Naaman's leprosy? It wasn't Naaman's understanding. Naaman's understanding was the prophet would come out, be impressed with who he was, uh, receive uh, a, a bunch of money from him because every man has a price, and, and that Elisha would wave his hand over him while he sat up on his high horse, and he would ride back victorious uh, uh, you know, to Syria, healed of his leprosy. But that's, that's not how it works. Notice, Naaman was also healed as he went. It wasn't until he went and did what God instructed him to do that he experienced the healing um, in his life. Okay? So trust, like character, is built in the tension of the moment. There's only one way to learn to trust God, and that is by trusting Him. So when our own understanding comes into conflict with God's understanding, we have to make a choice. We know that God's ways are higher than our ways, we know that God's way of getting results. God's ways of getting results are different from man's ways of getting results. So when our way of doing things comes into direct conflict and opposition to God's ways of doing things, 
we have a choice to make. Am I going to continue to do things according to my own understanding? Am I going to continue to manage my finances according to my own understanding? Am I going to continue to lean on my own understanding when it comes to how me and my household manage our finances? Or am I going to do things according to God's understanding, which again would equal trusting in Him? Are you, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make this, again, this is fundamental. This, this passage right here, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it, it, is, it is universal. It is fundamental. It, it comes down to the, to the very basics of things. And it doesn't matter how much uh, you know about the greater things of God, the greater works of Jesus, the, the New Testament, and all, that it's, all of its provisions, right? If you want to experience and enjoy those things in your life reality, you cannot uh, bypass Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. A New Testament, born-again believer, full of the Holy Spirit, having been given the kingdom of God, having been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, having been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, having been made uh, a royal priest uh, that rules and reigns in life, right? We'll experience and enjoy none of that if we lean on our own understanding, do not trust God, refuse to acknowledge Him in our own ways, and allow Him to direct our paths. Are you, are you, are you seeing this? This is, this is why I'm, it's so important. I'm like, I'm like, Lord, you, you know, I got so many good things. I'm, I'm really excited about preaching this, you know, but if, if this is where we need to be, it's where we need to be. And, and this is what he keeps bringing me back to. If we don't get this part, it doesn't matter what else we hear and, and, and know about. Uh, I mean, I say it doesn't matter. You understand what I mean? It, it matters that we know it. It matters that we've heard it. But as far as it, our, our practical experience of it, um, remember, we, we said that they're freely given. The benefits of salvation are freely given, but they're not automatically enjoyed. And we've made a case from that from the scripture, so I won't try to go back down that road right now. So this is, <clears throat> I, I try to, how do I say this? Let me see. I told the story recently, and you've heard me say it so many times, I won't go through all the details, but I was lost, me and Pam, we were trying to find a connecting flight in Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. First time I'd ever been there. Um, before we got on the, the plane that landed in Dallas, they gave us a map of the Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. I'm wandering around in a sea of people trying to find my gate so Pam and I can get on the next airplane. Uh, I have a map of the airport in my hand, and I'm basically doing this. Because I didn't have a dot that says you are here. And it's the dot that says you are here that enables you to connect with the answers that you need so that you can benefit from them. You can have every answer. Uh, and and if, you've, if, you've got a, if you've got a copy of this right here, you've got every answer. But you, if you don't know how to connect with it personally, in other words, if you can't find a dot that says, okay, here I am right here. You, you don't have a starting place to navigate from, so to speak. And so we just wind up being confused. And it just, it just winds up being a bunch of pictures on a map that don't, that don't make any sense, that we can't benefit from. Amen. And so Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is one of those you are here's. Let, 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 me, let me try to say it another way. Everything that God, every, every word, every crossing of the T, every dotting of the I that we find in the Word of God is critically important. It is the eternal Word of God. Amen. Now, we could be talking about the, the, the 
seals in the book of Revelation this morning. We could be talking about the trumpets in the book of Revelation this morning. Are those things important? Absolutely important. Thank God. And as a matter of fact, um, it's the only book in the Bible. Obviously, we know we're blessed by reading and studying the Word of God, and, and those instructions are there. But the Bible says a special blessing is for the one who reads uh, the words of the book of, of Revelation. And so I'm, I'm by no means trying to act like that's not important. But hear me, please hear me, okay? There are all kinds of things in the Bible that we can talk about that, that will never give you that starting point in your life as far as if you're interested in moving forward, if you're interested in, in, in uh, experiencing and enjoying some of the benefits of your salvation, amen, um, then what do we need to do? Are you, are you following what I'm saying? I, I, I think... This is universal. When I say universal, understand here the context of this. One of the ways the Lord really showed this to me was in um, my assignment to help men and women overcome addiction. And, you know, I, I would, you know, morning after morning after morning, you know, be teaching classes uh, at the foundry. And, you know, I started preaching before I could drive a car. I mean, in this, I'm not bragging, I'm going to say this, just listen to me, please. On this iPad right here, I don't know how many thousand sermons. Are you sure what I'm saying? And that was, and, and then before that, a, a stack of legal pads this high with sermons, okay? So I got some stuff to say, Right? But where it became so crystal clear to me was standing in front of those men and women, especially the, the Monday morning class that I would do. Those are folks that have had, had only been to the foundry. For, you know, some of them just got there and, and uh, you know, newcomers. And, man, the, the weight of that. Um, I mean, there, there are people in that room that when I first started that class, there are people in that room who are in the ministry today. And there are people in that room who are in prison today. There are people in that room who are doing great things for God, and there are people in that room who are dead today. In other words, it's a heavy responsibility. Back in those days, I was, I was probably teaching and, and ministering and preaching, you know, on some occasions, 14 hours a week I was, I was preaching and teaching. But it was that one 45-minute-to-hour class that weighed on me the heaviest because those people's lives, more than any other group that I would stand in front of in a week, uh, their lives were hanging in the balance more so than anybody else's. Are you hearing what I'm saying, right? So it's in that moment where the Lord really impressed upon me, listen, you need to say exactly what needs to be said here and, and nothing, nothing more. I mean, can you imagine me walking into that room, right? People just staggered in off the street trying to figure out what's going on, you know what I'm saying? And, and me saying, okay, open the book of Revelation and let's talk about the third. Is it important? Yes. Is that what they need to hear right then? No. No. Brother Keith Moore taught me this. He said, the most important message that could ever be preached is the message of salvation. And he said, well, you're right, unless you've already been saved. If you've already been saved and you're a sick man, then a message about healing is pretty important to you. Are you following what I'm saying here? So we can be mature about this and realize, okay, then, you know, what do we need to focus on? That might be the simplest way of saying this. We're, given where we are right now and, and being led by the Spirit because Father knows what's coming, 
what he's trying to explain to you and me today, what he's trying to help you and me with today is not just for our benefit tomorrow. It's for generations of your family a hundred years from now. I think sometimes that's the part we, we don't recognize. If you look, though, at the earthly ministry of Jesus, Jesus was trying to get a message to the Jewish people in Jerusalem that would have made a difference in, in their children's lives 40 years down the road. But they, they wouldn't listen. They didn't receive it. They didn't hear it, for the most part. All right, so... <clears throat> Are there a bunch of things we could talk about? Good stuff. Yes. I, see, I'm not trying to act like I'm just, oh, poor, pitiful me. Don't I mean, I'd love to be talking about Christmas this morning. You know what I'm saying? I love Christmas, man. Christmas, maybe I've prayed about it. I think we're going to probably do a Christmas message on the 24th. But if the Lord says, no, let's talk about, again, what's, <laughs> I think you got it already. Amen. What do we need to hear? What is he? And I don't, you say, well, how do you know that? I don't unless he tells me. I don't know it unless he tells me. I, I got a good idea what I need to hear and what he's saying to me personally. Amen. All right. So trust like character is built in the tension of the moment. There's only one way to learn to trust God and that is by trusting him. And so when our understanding comes into conflict with God's understanding, we have a choice to make. So let's, let's, let's get to the heart of this this morning. We've got a few minutes. Are you still with me? Okay. So here's the verse again. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. So here's the first question, all right? Do you need God to direct your paths? Okay, see, again, I, I put here, I want you to answer. And so, I, I, amen, I want you to answer. But, and I'm thankful for the audible answers. Don't, I'll take audible over silence anytime, okay? All right. But I'm also interested in both you and me giving an internal yes, even more so than an external yes. In other words, The, 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 the prize here is God directing your path. I'm sorry, see, I struggle with this point because I wanted to be inclusive. Do we need God to direct our paths? And yes, that's, that's true. But see, now when you put the S on paths, it just sounds like your path, your path, your path. But what he's saying here is that each one of us have multiple paths. Are you following this? Different I like to think of it maybe in this way, legs of your journey. Do you understand? Like a leg of your journey, you know, where you follow the Lord to this point and then he redirects you. Then you follow him to this point. And he, so his path, right? But our life takes on many different aspects. So there's a relational pathway in your life. There's a financial pathway in your life. There's an educational pathway in your life. There's all these different uh, uh, facets, if you will, of, of your life, and we want him to direct every single one of them. Amen. Amen. All right. So, <clears throat> this was not the original first question, but the Lord prompted me. He said, this, you're starting too far down the process. You need, to, you need to go all the way back up and ask this question first. 
Do we need God to direct our paths? We need it more than any of us in this room can comprehend it, how bad we need it. Okay? Now, remember the way of man is not found within him and we cannot get to where we're supposed to be without him. So we absolutely need him to direct our paths. Okay? Now, if to... And I'm not saying anyone in here is, but if you were to say no to this question, then that would imply you believe you can figure out yourself and get to where you want to be, figure it out yourself and get to where you want to be without him. And we can't. Amen? All right. Now, for some of you listening to me, some of you, this this may be a little basic, may be a little elementary, but I think it'll, you know, when, um, when the... Uh, uh, Major League Baseball players, when they report uh, to spring camp, uh, spring training, getting ready for the upcoming baseball season, um, guess what they will work on in those spring camps? The fundamentals of baseball. These are men who are paid millions and millions of dollars to play that game. Professionals. And yet, it boils down to the fundamentals. Amen? So these are fundamentals. Do you need God to direct your path? Yes, we do. Our paths, your paths. Amen. All right. So now, next question. Can God direct your paths if you never learn to trust Him? Say no. The answer to that is no. He wants to direct your path. Maybe we should have put that question in there, number two, and this one, number three. Does God want to direct your path? Absolutely. He created you. Um, without the path that you needed in you so that you would have to get it from him. He desires to direct your path. But can God direct your paths if you never learn to trust him? The answer is no, he cannot. Okay, so now watch this. Can God direct your paths if you choose to do things according to your own understanding? See, God's up there trying to say, no, 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 this way, son. This way, honey. Come on, come on, daughter. This way. And we got, no, I don't go that way. God, I like it this way. If I go this way, there's a, you know, whatever. We want to, and God says, no, but you don't need to go. You need to go this way. So notice he's trying to direct our paths, but he can't direct our paths if we choose to do things according to our own understanding. All right. Next question Can God direct your paths if you do not acknowledge him in all your ways? Again, the answer is no. Because remember, your ways correspond your ways. Emphasis on your. Your ways as opposed to His ways. Your own understanding as opposed to His understanding. All right, now watch this. Can God direct your paths if you insist on doing it your way instead of His? See, He can't. He can't. Now, this, I, I, we're going to get to something here before we leave this morning. But there's this idea, and it's, and it's a lie from the devil, that no matter what you do, no matter what you choose, things are going to turn out however God has ordained for them to turn out in your life. People believe that whatever happens, good, bad, indifferent, was somehow magically the will of God and that our choices and that our uh, willingness, 
that our uh, level of engagement, our level of hunger, our level of desire, our longing to understand, somehow none of that has anything to do with the outcome. And nothing could be further from the truth. Can God direct your paths if you insist on doing it your way instead? This word acknowledge, it's, it's not a casual response. And, and I, I want to please hear this. I know you're listening, but please hear this. I think, you know, our understanding of what it means to acknowledge God, you know, um, it's, it's like if, if, uh, if somebody waves at you, you, you acknowledge by waving back at them. It's like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, you know, um, I, uh, I I walked in the uh, Panda Express the other day, and I was looking at something on my phone, and I had no idea Sister Beverly was in there, and she finally said it a little louder, Mark Winslet. I'm like, hey, sister, you know what I'm saying? But I wasn't ignoring her, I did, but, you know, so, but I acknowledged her, right? Okay, so, you know, we, we think sometimes like acknowledging somebody is just simply responding to them, okay? But but this word means, in the original language, it means more than just uh, waving back or saying hello back, okay? And then I used to think, okay, acknowledge means to include God in all your ways. And, and certainly um, that is uh, important. We should include God. But if we only think of acknowledging God in all of our ways as including Him, okay, then if we're not careful, God just is relegated to this position of an add-on to our lives. You know, it's like He's just kind of there along for the ride if we need Him. Okay? So it's not just in including Him. And then I, I used to think that, well, okay, well then consult. We should consult God. And absolutely we should. But there's more here to acknowledging God than just seeking God's advice. You see, the word acknowledge, it means to know, to learn, to perceive, to experience, and to consider. So he's saying to know God in all your ways. To, to, to consider Him, but also to learn from Him and, and to perceive and to experience Him in all of your ways. This word acknowledge means to know personally, to know intimately, and to know experientially. So when he tells us to acknowledge God in all of our ways, he's talking about the very focus and purpose of every path we travel is Him. It's a big difference than just consulting Him for advice. It's a big difference than just including Him in this. I believe in a lot of ways this uh, part of this verse is the Old Testament version of Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His ways of being and doing right and everything else will be added to you. Acknowledging God in all of your ways doesn't just mean, okay, yeah, there's a God, I believe there's a God, you know, or I'm going to include Him or I'm going to consult with Him. Uh, I'm going to, you know, at least hear what he has to say before I make a decision. No, no. Acknowledging God in all of your ways means, again, the focus and purpose of every path we travel is God. I, I have a, 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 a very simple way of applying this uh, to our lives. The Lord showed me this many, many years ago, and it boils down to this. Are you ready? Talk to God about everything. 
Talk to him about everything in your life. He already knows it. He already knows it. Talk to him. Talk to him about it. Talk to him about the good things, the negative things, the positive things. Talk to him about things that you're, you're, you're soaring in. Talk to him about things that you're struggling with. Talk to him about relationships. Talk to him about your money. Talk to him about your clothes. Talk, again, when I say everything, I mean every detail of your life. Talk to him about it. Involve him in it. Amen. And, and, and I think that's what he's saying here. Acknowledge God in all of your ways. But watch this now. If you develop this pattern of talking to God about everything, should you ever come to something in your life that you don't want to talk to him about, it's like a safety net. It's like all of a sudden, okay, why do I not want to talk to him about this? Why do I feel like I got to leave him out of this? Why do I feel like I got to try to sneak around and hide this? Right? So, do you see how then the purpose and focus of every path you travel being Him? All right, now, we got a few minutes left. Let's, let's do this. And I'm, how do I say this? Let. <clears throat> When I say deconstruct, do you understand what I mean by that? We're, I'm wanting to just like to try to take this whole passage apart and, and break it down. Okay, the Bible says my assignment is to rightly divide the word of truth. And if you've ever seen like um, uh, a skilled butcher take a side of beef and next thing you know it's in those nice beautiful packages, you know, in the meat. Can't you cut it down, process it, right? Okay. I'm, I'm, when I say butcher it, I don't mean like destroy it. I mean like break it down for you in all of its parts and pieces so that you can see it and really connect with it. And this is, I don't know if I've ever done it quite this way. Matter of fact, I know I've never done this verse quite this way. But I want to look at, in the time we have remaining, I want us to look at how a lot of people, a lot of people understand this verse. Okay. Let, let, me, let me try to, I have used this example before. If you take clear water and pour it in the top of a coffee pot, that clear water passes through the coffee grounds and the filter and it lands in the pot beneath as something completely different than what was poured in the top. Okay? Now, that filter in those coffee grounds, that's like your understanding. In other words, when... When Father takes His pure truth and pours it into your life, your understanding filters that. And if you're not careful, what lands in your heart will be something completely different than what He tried to pour into your life. Because you hear through a filter. You hear through your understanding. Jesus had a lot to say about what we hear. But He also said, be careful how you hear how you hear something because how you hear something is the understanding the filter through which what you're hearing passes okay now one more time trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths let me tell you let me tell you how when this passes through like modern day religion and and, uh, and Facebook denomination or whatever, <laughs> how this lands in, in a lot of people's hearts, okay? It, it, it's, they hear trust in the Lord with some of your heart. 
Did he say trust in the Lord with some of your heart? No. He said trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, what's wrong with this? Why does he say all instead of some? I mean, shouldn't God like grade on the curve or give us credit or, you know, what's the deal here? Well, it's, it's, not that, it's not that God's up there trying to keep score of something, okay? But trusting with some of your heart means the rest of your heart is trusting in someone or something else. For God to say, look, I, you don't have to trust me with all your heart. Just, you know, do the best you can, trust with some, and, you know, just let the rest, let's, let the rough end drag, you know. No, see, the, he recognizes, because what is the man who trusts in man? What is the man who's trust, who trusts in man? Is he blessed? Is the man who trusts in man blessed? No, he's cursed. When, when we put our trust in something other than God, someone other than him, we are exposing ourselves to the curse that's in this world. Okay, how about this one? Some people hear this verse and they hear, trust in the Lord when it makes sense for you to do so. Trust in the Lord when it makes sense for you to do so. All right, so what's wrong with this? If it made sense, there would be no need to trust. Think about that for a minute. All the ways of God require us to trust Him. So trust in the Lord when it makes sense for you to do so is not trust. It's, it's kind of like when, when uh, we talk about being in submission to authority. But as long as you are in agreement with the authority... You're really not in submission to them. Where submission comes into play is when those who are positioned in authority over you make a decision you don't like. Now we've got to decide whether or not we're going to humble ourselves and submit. So you can tool along in every decision you agree with, every decision you agree with, until the decision is made you don't agree with. And the whole time you think you're in submission, you're in submission, you're in submission, and then you find out that maybe you weren't, okay? So again, the greatest threat to God's ways producing results in your, in your life is your own understanding. All right. Some people read Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and they hear this. Trust in the Lord when you have a serious problem and can't figure it out on your own. This is the group who thinks of prayer as a last resort instead of a first response. All right, let's run through a few more of these. Acknowledge God when it's convenient to do so. Wow. Acknowledge God when it fits into your schedule. Acknowledge God when you need something from Him. Let's see, this is where a lot of people find themselves these days. I hope I don't need to explain what's wrong with these. How about this one? Follow your own path and ask God to help you. Do your own thing and believe God for blessing. And then when your path leads to a brick wall, claim God has been directing you the whole time and blame the crash on His sovereignty.
I'm not pausing because I don't have anything else to say. I'm trying to let that sink in right there. Because that's I'm telling you, this is where the enemy is trying to bring the church to this point right here. That we've been following God and then God is sovereign. I had an interaction with a um, a clerk at a store um, recently and um, I'd said something about the Lord. I'm not exactly sure how it got brought up. And he had said something about um, the Lord blessing me. And I said, man, yes, yes. I, you're a believer. Yes, yes, you're a believer. I said, man, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, praise God. You know, we talked for a minute. He says, he said, brother, he said, I've been studying the sovereignty of God here lately. I said, oh, really? Wow. And I, I was, I, he, I'm, I spoke it in love, but I probably could have like, it was kind of like squeezing a ketchup bottle and ketchup came out. I said, well, brother, you know that God's not sovereign. He's omnipotent, right? And he looked like I threw a bucket of cold water on him. Because he was just fixing to tell me. And, um, and so, look at me. People on the camera, look at me. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody. You don't find sovereign in the Bible. You find omnipotent in the Bible. To call God sovereign is to demote Him. Omnipotent, omnipotent means all-powerful. All-powerful. God is the all-powerful God. But now, let's go back to this. Do your own thing and ask God to help you, and when your path leads to a brick wall, claim God has been directing you the whole time and blame the crash on His sovereignty. Notice how the enemy loves to offer you and me some type of fake, cheap substitute for what is true and real and genuine. Those who have been coming on Wednesday night or following along online, we've been learning on Wednesday night that... A relationship with God is a myth. It's a lie the devil has told you. God didn't create you to have relationship with Him. He created you to be one with Him and to have fellowship with Him. Relationship sounds so good and it sounds so... But see, you can have an on-again, off-again relationship. You can't have on-again, off-again oneness and fellowship. When God makes you one with Him, you're one with Him forever, the Bible says. Now, I could, again, we've been speaking on that for months. I'm not trying to, but I'm just trying to show you. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. If you ask the average person in the body of Christ, they will tell you a a personal relationship with God is the gold standard of Christianity when it is not. The same fellowship with God the Father that Jesus has with Him is the gold standard of what Jesus paid, the ultimate price for you and me to have and to enjoy. But now notice, Satan loves to offer us something that sounds good, You say, Pastor Mark, I know I've seen sovereignty in my Bible. Let me tell you where you've seen it. You've seen it in the pericopes. A pericope is a subheading that was inserted by men. The original text doesn't say it and doesn't support it. It's something we've come up with to try to explain things that that we don't have an explanation for. And so, you know, God's a sovereign God. You never know what He'll do. 
You never know about God. And we say that like that's a compliment. Would I be giving Cecil a compliment to say, well, you never know about Cecil. You never know what he's going to do. No, that's not a compliment. God is faithful. He has told us what he's going to do. What he has done. Amen. Amen. I'm getting stirred up. Praise God. Let me ask you a question. Can God be disagreed with? Yeah. Yes, he can. Can he want one thing for you and you desire another thing and choose your desire over his? He will let you, sister. You're absolutely right. All right, so what does sovereign mean? Let's, let's try to land this plane. I've stirred up a hornet's nest here without enough time to... But that's okay. Maybe it'll spur some of you to actually look up the words. Amen. The United States is a sovereign nation. What does that mean? It means we have the right to rule and govern ourselves. If Canada, our neighbor to the north, or Mexico, our neighbor to the south, both of which are also sovereign nations... If Canada passes a law in Canada, you don't have to abide by it in the United States of America as a U.S. United States citizen. Because Canada is governing themselves, and the United States, we're governing ourselves. That's what it means by sovereign. Now, not that, well, let's, let's use another. Russia is a sovereign nation. Ukraine is a sovereign nation. Russia decided as a sovereign nation that they were going to attack and ultimately, I guess, incorporate. I don't know what their end game is on that. But one sovereign decided they were going to try to overthrow another sovereign. To say God is sovereign is to say God can be overthrown by another sovereign. To show you how confused the enemy wants the people of God to be. You, my friend, are sovereign. You have the right to self-govern. You can do whatever you want to do. But God is not sovereign because you cannot overthrow Him. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He cannot be overthrown. Amen. So what's the purpose for for this whole explanation? Trusting in the Lord with all your heart and leaning not to your own understanding and acknowledging Him in all your ways so that He can direct your paths is you surrendering your sovereignty to His omnipotence. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to read it one more time because the devil don't like it, okay? Follow your own path and ask God to help you. And then when your path leads to a brick wall, claim God has been directing you the whole time and blame the crash on His sovereignty. That's how a lot of people hear this verse. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that which you are able, but with every temptation make a way of escape. You know how people hear that verse? God won't put more on you than you can bear. It's not what he's saying. God's not your adversary. He's not the source of your adversity. 
But he's made it so that no matter what the devil would try to bring against you, there's always a way of victory over it. Because Jesus actually became a man and as a man defeated every tactic of the enemy for us and then gave us the cheat codes, if you will, for how to do it ourselves. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, as we stand before you this morning, we once again acknowledge, we once again confess, we once again recognize, Lord, that we need you to direct our paths. We're not qualified to do it. We don't, apart from you, Father, we, we are not, it's, it's not in us to direct our own paths. We need help. We need you. And so, Father, when our understanding comes into conflict with your understanding, may our sovereignty surrender to your omnipotence. May our limited understanding surrender to your all-knowing. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, Lord. How silly, how foolish, Lord, for us to call our own shots when we can't sometimes see beyond the nose of us on our own faces, Lord. And you've already seen a hundred years down the road. Father, we love you. You're for us. You're with us. You desire good things for us. But, Father, we can choose our own understanding over yours. We can choose our way of doing things over yours. But we don't want to do that ever again. We don't want to do that anymore. Amen. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, the Bible is very clear that Jesus came, born of a virgin, he lived a sinless life, having committed no sin of his own. He was nailed to a cross where he became your sin and my sin. He, he died the death that we deserved. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. And just as God had promised three days later, he was raised from the dead. He then ascended to the right hand of God where he sits. But just before he he went to the throne of the universe, he made the promise that he would one day come again. That's the simple gospel in a nutshell. And if you're here this morning and you never received Jesus as your Savior and you would like to make that, that commitment, that step, Receive that gift. Could I just see your hand, please? Praise God. Anybody? I always like to do this. Anybody? All right. Amen. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for all the born-again men and women standing here in this room. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in their lives. Thank you, Father, for all the important things you've told us in your word. But, Lord, you keep bringing us back. You keep bringing us back to learning to trust you, recognizing the difference between your understanding and ours, Focusing all of our paths on knowing you experientially and allowing you the opportunity and privilege to direct us in the paths that you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for being here this morning. You have a great rest of your day. would love to see you on Wednesday evening. Amen. You be blessed. Good things coming.